House of Run podcast. What are you into these days? Mostly running, Howard. Running. Yeah. Look at Bill! Look at Bill! Coming on! Bill, you're coming on! I'm not thinking about making the team. I'm thinking about gold in Munich. What can I say? I got beat by a zebra. Starts now. Welcome back to the House of Run podcast. That's what you know about time. Here's our email address. I'm Kevin. He's Jason, and the listeners answered the call. The inbox is now full again, Jason. Very happy to see this. Yeah, it's it's. we had to give him a little talking to and just make him feel bad and then just to send an email saying, yeah, guys, I'm still here. I'm listening, <laughs> but I appreciate it. Thank you, everyone. We got some that just said that and then asked the question, and then other ones just went right to it. They asked the questions. But I want to hear from more people if you're still listening because I still haven't checked the numbers. I still don't know. So, but you don't need to write in the question. Just write in and say, hey, this is so-and-so. Just check it in. That's all I need to know. Tell me about – you can tell me about your year. We won't read it on the pod if you don't want us to. Just put a note. Don't read it on the pod. It's been a rough year for everybody. Uh, tell me about your year and, and say hello. I want to hear from more people. But we got we got a big group here, Jace. Yeah. It's it's March again, which uh, – mm. huh. That's a thing. <laughs> Jesus. I had to ask you before we started recording. Yeah. It's uh that's that's insane that because it, that it's happening. Iliad the third is coming at the end of March. Yes. And then I totally forgot I was like, wait, that's this month. And then I did the math back in my head and I said, Oh boy. That's pretty soon. So better start rolling. There's kids screaming in the background, by the way, just to add to the child care and child element of the show. I'll try to maybe I'll just mute myself a lot on this pod. Actually I can't do that, can I? See, no, you kind of keep the pot going. So, no, I meant like technically I can't do it because mm. since we're recording the way well, we used to record, I could just mute myself. But now, if I mute myself, it won't work. So you might hear some screaming in this one. In any event, uh, we're gonna talk about a thing, Mo's just ridiculously <laughs> record. Let's just be honest, Jason. Yeah. She, so she breaks the outdoor record indoors and breaks it by a whole heck of a lot. Goes all the way under two to one fifty eight forty. So we'll talk about that. They changed the trial schedule, and you are our senior scheduling correspondent. We'll get your thoughts on that. And I we'll assume every talk. double is doable now. No, you just want to get to this first before I talk about the Texas qualifier. We can just get. Do you want to get this out of the way first? It's up to you. Uh, I mean, no, you, you could go with whatever you're whatever you're feeling here. Okay. Well, I need to so build what, up to to get angry about okay. something. So yeah. Okay. No, no. I I'm gonna I'm gonna talk you out of anger. Is what I'm gonna. Okay. Do. I think your inclination is to be angry. Yeah. And I'm gonna tell you that you should. You know me. I'm an angry, angry person. I'm usually <laughs> upset about things. That's how you're known when you're not winning, gambling, <laughs> large gambling purses on the Las Vegas Strip. That's that's what you're doing. But I'll talk first about the meet I was at, the Texas yeah. qualifier. In Austin, uh, Texas. A lot of big names there. Some names pulled out late. We thought we might see Brazier versus Centrowitz in a 1500, which would have been awesome. Because yeah. Brazier in the 1500 is one of those rare off events that you you could almost say you'd rather see than his main event. Is that correct? Yeah, unless it's like a loaded 800, like where he's, you know... Or, or if they're going for something really special, yeah. On your on your random week, mm-hmm. it's more intriguing to to see him go for the fifteen than the eight because we know what he does in the eight. And like, like I said, unless it's some you know big marquee matchup, if it's him and Hopple or you know something really fast, 
Yeah. That's weird. How many people are like that? How many people have an off event now that they've done at least once? So it's not this dream stuff. It's not Mo Farrow is going to run against Usain Bolt. And I'm not talking about matchups. I'm just talking about they, they drop into this event. Right. How many people do we have out there in the world of track and field? I guess you'd say I'd be really be interested in a Kipchoge half marathon just because it's been a while mm. since yeah. we've seen – one of those, I'd say Safan Hassan doing something, but she's done. She's done all the events. Does she have an there event? Are. Like that's the thing. Yeah, they're all off events <laughs> or they're all on events. I'm not sure. <laughs> Maybe if she does the jab. Or yeah, something. there you go. That's intriguing for sure. I guess I'm trying to think. Even on the sprint side, is there somebody who? I would you be more interested in a, a Michael Norman hundred right now? I'd probably say no. Or, I'd probably rather he, see him in his featured events because he's already run 986. Yeah, I was thinking his his two hundred. You know, it it's not a common thing. It's something he does uh-huh. once or twice a year, maybe. Um, and he's run some good two hundreds too. So like a good two hundred would be interesting over maybe you know kind of a boring field four hundred where he's probably not gonna hmm. you know he's yeah. probably gonna win yeah, in forty three nine or forty four zero. Like I'd rather see him try to do something cool in the two hundred. Yeah, you're saying some people are field dependent. Well, yeah, right. and mo- I mean, most people, that makes sense, they're, right? I mean, there's... Well, they're so few... good, though, that they're field-dependent. Like, yeah. Brazier is so good that if, if you just saw Brazier line up and it's an okay Diamond League, but it's not a great Diamond League, I don't know. He's in there with Adam Schott. He's in there with Boss. He's in there with Amel Tuca. Would you rather right. see that or him in a 1500 against the same level of competition, same level of names? You'd probably say... 1500 yeah i think so yeah because yeah it's 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 just like i said odds are he's gonna win that 800 and 143 eight and that's fine Mm -hmm. but we'll see that multiple times a year so yeah the the slight mystery the chance of something of him running 330 or (laughs) or you know closing crazy on the last lap or something is more intriguing yeah i mean it's probably a mid-distance type thing because the only other person I could think of was when Pete Rudisha, we were talking about him running a 1500 and what that would look like. Yeah. And, and we didn't we didn't see it. Anyway, he wasn't at this meet. So nope. I don't know why we got on that train. <laughs> but there were a lot of a lot of big names there. Short distance, short shorter distances, not short distance because there were no sprints, but uh, Ajay Wilson ran 158 high in the eight. One convincingly, textbook Ajay Wilson, not much yep. to take away from that one. Constance Klosterhofen ran her first ever 10K, negative split of 31.01, got the German record and uh, got the Olympic standard. She said afterwards she didn't know if she was going to double. I think she's going to double because I think everybody's going to double in the 5 and the 10 if you can because why not? Yep. Um, Kira D'Amato was in that. She actually got lapped. They're running wow. together. For, they're running together for a good portion. And then she got lapped. It was a weird – I mean, Klosterhoff just took off and and D'Amato fell off the pace there as well. So it was – yeah, 32-16 for, for D'Amato. So she ended up be, missing the standard by quite a bit. But that was yeah. her first off race that D'Amato's had since this rise where every other yes. thing has been a home run, a home run, a home run. It makes sense that eventually it would – catch up to her and yeah going toe-to-toe that's a big step up in competition for 
somebody who's run fast times, right? But we haven't seen her in these super deep fields. Or this wasn't even a deep field. But we, we, we haven't seen her against someone Coco's caliber on the track. That's what I'm Yeah, saying. she just kind of stepped into, you mm-hmm. know, like she was she, she became part of that next level of, like she came from out of nowhere mm-hmm. to like, oh, yeah, maybe she has a chance to like, you know, a dark horse pick to make a team. Mm-hmm. Which is a a big leap to make because that's very very hard to do, especially in women's you know middle to distance uh, right now. But you know, Coco is a medalist. Yeah. She's like extreme, like extremely extremely good. Like the 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 leap up next, and hey, maybe Demato can get there some, at some point. But it is a bit of a oh yeah, it's still hard to get to that. There's still a big gap between. Yeah. Hey, maybe you know I'm a borderline, you know, top five American to top five in the world. Yeah, but the way this race worked out, they had a rabbit, and then the rabbit left, and that was those two, and they were running together, and then the pace started to inch up from seventy fives to seventy sevens, and then it was funny. Klosterhofen basically every lap, I was standing on the backstretch for a couple laps, and noticed this would look clearly like turn her to to Pete Julian her coach it was like a quarterback looking to the sideline for the play <laughs> and then he'd give instructions and then eventually after those 77s it got too slow and he just basically nodded his head gave a motion and just took off just immediately <laughs> went past her and then gradually brought the pace down and then ended up lapping her uh that it was, was like couple- basically like in Rocky 4 when like it starts off and Apollo's like beating up on uh, Drago a little bit, and then mm-hmm. all of a sudden, like the trainer just goes like "Asana" and whatever in in Russian, and then Drago just beats that, the hell out. That of was him it, and it's yeah. over. Yeah, it's, it's just like, oh, okay, there. Yeah, you just unleashed it, and that's that's why you're one of the best in the world. I think she was trying to squeeze as much out of the competition that she had as possible. And right. They did that, and then it got to the point where it was just getting too slow. You gotta you gotta move on if you're gonna try to get this german record if you're gonna try to get this olympic standard and it was windy out there too it was not perfect 10k conditions far from it it was an impressive run for her. i'd say her medal chances are probably the same in the five as they are in the 10 because we just don't know yeah it's who's gonna run and a lot of right. people are gonna double back you think it's to be the same crew right yeah and they're both yeah you say there's gonna be a ton of doubles um yeah, I would think so. They're both kind of pretty loaded. I guess, you know, the five, I mean, the, the 15 five, uh, spoiler alert isn't, isn't doable. So I guess Don't that spoil could, the second half of the show, I guess that could change something, you know, like depending if someone decides on the 15 or the five, that could, yeah. uh, that, that could depend on, on how hard meddling is in the five. But yeah, I think she's, she's definitely, you know, I mean, she's already got a medal in the five. She's, uh, in that group, but that group is getting deeper all the time. Yeah, so yeah, I, sure. I mean, maybe, you know, I'd still have her. Oof, I don't know. I, I guess I'm thinking the five is going to be slightly deeper, but it's, it's hard to say. Yeah. Well, we just don't know. Like what I assume Hassan is going to do the five and the 10. Yeah. Agreed. That's just what I am guessing. Cause I don't think she's going to want to try to do the, the 15 and the 10 again. I just don't I don't think that's gonna happen. That would be my guess. But especially because what ten or fifteen will come first. 
Yeah, it's weird. Were there any other races that that stood out to you? There weren't a ton of – the goal was hitting these standards. Yeah. And anytime you set that as the goal, it's always – It's usually not going to get anything crazy, yeah. Well, we saw – we just – because the Bowerman crew did it. My colleague Gordon brought up a good point. Because those Bowerman races, everybody not only broke the standard, but they went way under it and set PRs. We probably think that that is a lot more doable than it is. And in that situation, you have a group, Bowerman. They have other teams there, but they can make sure the pace is perfect all the time. And Yeah, and they, they all train they, together. They all have a plan, and it is easier to execute. Right, and their coach is essentially organizing and running the meet. This is different. This is, yes, it's scripted in sense of, okay, there's pacers, but you don't know how good of a job they're going to do. You have other competitors that you don't want to lose to. It's entirely, it's an entirely different flavor of time trial meet. There's the pure, just, we have a, a timer out here. We are putting on our jerseys, but this is basically a practice version of it. There's the, we're going to invite one or two people just to make it feel like a stronger competition. And then there's races like this that, yeah, there's rabbits. Yeah, the whole idea is times, 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 times. But everybody's competitive and they want to win the race. And not everybody needs a standard. And some people uh, are just looking for a win at this point. And then you get what you got on Friday and Saturday. Yeah, I, I would say this the Texas qualifier, this is more how these usually go, right? Yeah, like the yeah. early meet, uh, let's get some standards. Like this, this happens every year. There's a couple of these type of meets. And they're usually not particularly exciting because yeah. there's a, you know, a, a couple, a few runners who are trying to do it. And then there'll be a couple who are on the border of like whether they get the standard, but it doesn't make for maybe the most exciting races. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. hundred percent. I did some shoe reporting though. Jason, mm. do you want me to hear, do you want me to tell you what I found out about shoes? Yeah. Late on me. First of all, a lot of people wear the shoes. A lot of people, a lot of people who aren't sponsored by Nike wear the shoes. Yeah. So let's just say that. So I'm still sticking with my initial reaction, which is they must be good because otherwise people from other brands wouldn't be wearing them. Right? Right. At the very least, they're comfortable with good shoes. So there was three people I talked to, and they all had different opinions of it, and they approached it all from different ways. And I think it's instructive when we engage in this now endless debate with people. Or you hear an endless debate amongst other people about it. Uh, so first person was Craig Engels. And I don't know if you saw that Craig Engels interview. But basically, Craig Engels adopted the Nike pitchman mode. And he said, these shoes are amazing. Everybody should have these shoes. They're so great. I've never had any other shoe like this before. Which is probably the response. If you had told me... 10 years ago when we first started the podcast, hey, there's going to be this crazy shoe that comes out. How will athletes react to the shoe who were sponsored by that brand? Mm. I, if I didn't have time to think, I'd say, well, yeah, they're going to pump it up like crazy. Right. They're going to say this is the greatest thing ever. It's going to be like Jordan talking about how, how Nike Air and he turns him into – not just a great basketball player, but like a an alternate form of human life, basically. And Shaq's going to pump up his Reeboks, and he's going right. to be able to jump higher. Um, 
But instead, we didn't get that, right? Instead, you got a lot of people downplaying it. And I understand why. But Craig Engels was not one of those people. He said, this is amazing. These are great shoes. These are the best shoes ever. The next night, talked to Mason Furlick, who was wearing – he's not sponsored by Nike anymore, but was wearing the shoes. And he said he doesn't like that he has to wear them, but he has to wear them. And it's just – it's like keeping up with the Joneses in essence. And he's an, he's an engineering student. He's got an engineering background. So he, he basically said these – and he differentiated too between the two, between the um, the Dragonflies and the Victories. I believe mm-hmm. the other ones are. People correct me if I'm wrong. Um, and he thought one was more advantageous than the other. He was wearing the simpler version of it. And he said, you know, as an engineering person, this is exactly how I would design a shoe for maximum speed. But – you know, he he disagreed with the process and 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 how it came about and how there's just so much controversy and talk around it. But he said, you know, he's talked to other people and this is like if you want to have the best chance to make a team, this is what you have to, this is what you have to do. He also said his the version he wore, the simpler version, was similar. The technology was similar to the New Balance model. And then when you go to the other one, then you have technology that other companies haven't caught up to yet. And then finally, the third person in this story, the third perspective, Pete Julian, Nike coach, coaches Coco, Angles, Jenkins, Brazier, Raven Rogers, Shannon Robray, Jessica Hall, etc. Suguru Osaku. He said shoes are great. I mean, because he's paid by Nike, right? He said shoes are great, but it's not just the shoes. He took more of the the holistic viewpoint of all the other things being better. But he also said something we kind of touched on, I think it was last week. He said, some of the stuff doesn't surprise me when you talk about people running close to 27 minutes in 10K. He said, I'm old enough to remember Chris Alinsky doing that. And I think he's all the people going under 27.20. And that was in 2010. So he he was in the camp of, yeah, the shoes are great, but it's not the end-all, be-all. And a piece of evidence he used was basically Klosterhoffen's time that night did not surprise him at all because he's seen her do workouts you know, in basic shoes at the Nike campus that fast. That They were indicative of that of that pace. And so he, I don't think he sees it – you know, it's not a catch-all it's not one reason why everybody is fast is because of the shoes. I just thought that was interesting, right? Three different people, three different, uh, you know, viewpoints on it, um, all coming to different conclusions. But there are a lot of people wearing them. I'll just say that. Yeah, and I guess that doesn't. Did you, did you fall asleep me. midway through that? No, no, I was, I was <laughs> paying very close attention. I, I think that like doesn't surprise me that that. You know, that those reactions, that's what kind of what I would expect. And yeah. I would also expect everyone to be wearing them because even if you aren't convinced at all that they're the biggest thing, but everyone keeps talking about yeah. how much of a difference they make, like you just, you're going to do it, right? Like you're going to wear them mm-hmm. just to be, make sure you're on the level playing field, even if you're skeptical. And you're going to just do it because, hey, this, all my competition is wearing this. I, you know, I don't want to have this weird thought, hey, if I just went with the regular shoes and then I lose, do, oh, could I have won if this? Was it a fair race? Like, 
and then if you run well, it's the self-fulfilling prophecy, right? Like where it's like, well, then it's the shoes, but it's like, okay. Like I, I have no doubt the shoes are great. Like I have zero doubt that they make some matter of difference. Um, I've still not sold that they're just life altering and that they're going to, you know, rewrite the record books in every aspect. Like it just, I think it's probably overblown, but I, I don't know. I'll be, I'll be interested to see how this, how this season goes. Um, we constantly have, like I said, there's been great performances without the shoes happening, mm-hmm. but no one makes a big deal out of those because that's the way it is. But then if anything good happens with them, it's well, the shoes are out of control. It's like, okay. Yeah. Like I, I, it's just, no matter what these people, you know, no one's going to be convinced. And you could say the same, like for me, like, Oh, you're not going to be convinced. Well, I probably could be. And like I said, I don't doubt that they are, that they are great. Um, but I just think so many people are just like already minds made up. The shoes are too much. And whatever happens this year, even if this year is just exactly the same as like five years ago, as far as the amount of records broken, the amount of breakouts happening, like all that stuff, it'll be blown up to where you you're made to believe that it's this massive leap forward. I agree. And it's weird because it all comes down to circumstance. What if at the trials it's just unseasonably hot or rainy? What if in Tokyo they go the opposite route of Doha and all the distance races are really conservative instead of being aggressive? Right. And you get these – and you get slower than time, times you expected. It's a lot – it's a lot easier to note the shoes – when someone front runs a 350 <laughs> versus everybody was together with 150 to go and one athlete emerged and you're like, well, it's usually how it kick. goes. Yeah. Yeah. They, they had a better kick. And, and then if you get some people winning those races who aren't wearing the crazy spikes, then the, the narrative starts to get more complicated because I'm of the, uh, you know, events like the hurdles and the steeple, it's already going to be, the impact has to be changed, right? Altered in some way because it's not the, – the purest test of this is just – it's like a road race, right? A time trial road race because you have in a marathon. You got a couple hours. You run on straight roads. It's pretty simple, correct? Right. But then, yeah, when you introduce you know, tactics and stopping and going – and I get it if the whole idea is these shoes essentially reduce fatigue because they get you up on your toes without putting strain on your calves. I get I understand how that would help you in any sort of race, but it's a harder number to quantify than if you're if you if you're just looking at people go crazy at the Valencia half marathon. Right. Like 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 if so if the same thing happens in Tokyo, let's just say for example, that happened in Rio and Matt Centrowitz runs a 350 1500. Like yeah. the shoes could have 100% helped him do that if he's wearing those yeah. shoes. But people making that argument are going to look really silly because they're going to say, wait, why do you – oh, so he set a world record? No, actually he was off by uh, more than 20 seconds. <laughs> OK, so what? What's the, what's the argument? And it, you know the, the you didn't hear anything about it this weekend. I told you all these people were wearing them. Times weren't that crazy. Sure, the weather, the pacing, all that stuff was the great equalizer. Which doesn't surprise anybody who pays attention to to running and track and field. Those things are significant. 
Those yeah, are barriers. I mean, the perfect weather is going to, you know, the the variance of weather from perfect to you know Boston Marathon that one year, mm-hmm. like is more than shoes will ever be, right? So it's like it's so hard to, and obviously, hey, if you get on indoor track, is yeah, yeah. is way more controlled, but also. We don't get great athletes, like all the great athletes running indoor track all the time. Mm-hmm. Like f- five world records or whatever go, you know, go down every year because it's like, oh, someone so decided to run. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Okay. Yeah. Christian Coleman, of course, he's going to set the world record. Like that makes sense. Um, so it's, mm-hmm. it's tough. Like there's all these very, you know, just these variances that can happen and it's, it's going to be tough to control for all of them. Like, and yeah, the, you know, if Tokyo ends up being absolutely perfect weather and the track's super fast and we get a ton of stuff, then we're going to, you know it's it's going to be thrown out there that that's a big deal where the last world championships were yeah air conditioned but also super hot and i don't know how much that helped and hurt and it's going to be tough yeah i think well i think the ac helped yeah i think the ac helped a bit that was my remember we talked to alex hutchinson after the meet because he wrote the post about why the distance times were so fast and i think he was just bringing it up well Safanasan, you know wanting to push the pace wanting to be a front runner timothy cherry wanted to be a front runner and then and they just went for it but yeah, I think a lot of it was just climate control. Didn't need to worry about any of that stuff. And it made it made putting your full effort out there possible. And we saw it even in the heats of the 5,002. I remember for the women, Schweizer PR'd in the first round and then got even bigger right. PR in the final. Uh, it's just wild. I think my main thing is just does everybody have access to them? And if everybody can have access and we have a rule that you can stick to, we can move forward with it and then see see where we're at but you yeah you could have a situation where everybody blows these times out of the water in tokyo or i could see a scenario where shoot timothy cherry could just decide to screw around for two laps and not take the lead right that that decision will have a huge impact on how people perceive the relative impact of footwear and that's a lot of emphasis to put onto one person's tactical decisions (laughs) Yeah, yeah, he's Internet. he's one of the biggest things in that because the fifteen we know it, it runs the gamut, but it can be super fast, it can be very tactical, and Chariot is almost completely in control of yeah. what happens because he's about as dominant in the fifteen as you can be. So yeah, 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 yeah. It, based on what he decides to do, could could be a massive, uh, a massive swing. Where the women's side, it's going to be honest. Basically, I mean, you have Muir and these other runners who generally do not let it get slow. The other thing I realized talking about this, I just have a little – I have very little knowledge of it. Like I didn't even wear spikes in high school. You wore the Kennedys. I did. So when, when people are talking about it puts you on it's, – it's a more aggressive carbon shank and it puts you up on your toes. I just have no point of reference. I can remember wearing flats because that's what I raced in because I ran the two-mile in racing flats because I thought, heck, I'm not going fast enough right. <laughs> to, be, to be getting the benefit of uh, you know potentially putting you know my, my Achilles and my – calves at, at risk here so not to say i'm gonna pay uh 200 or whatever to buy some spikes to test them out because that would be a disaster right now but it is that and it also made me think because you you and i like to talk about this about how the technologies this isn't the only technological advancement in in spikes right and evidence of that is the way people talk about spikes now is way different than they did five years ago ten years ago etc etc and i think i get i guess i could under people can understand the vapor flies more because they're a road running shoe and a lot more people run 
5Ks, 10Ks, half marathons on the road than put on a pair of spikes and go rip a 1500. Right. Or, <laughs> so, th- so th- that level of understanding is going to be different too. But I got to say, after I left that meet, I didn't think the sport is ruined forever. <laughs> And you know, if I was in, if we were in high school right now, I would really be asking my parents to get me those spike. Like, oh, 100%. I'd just be like, please let me have these. This, this will, I will, I'll win state if I get these. Where I was going to make the NBA when I got Jordans in middle school, but that didn't really work out. Yeah, well, yeah, you'd send them the link to the Craig Engels interview, and you'd right? say, buy these, buy these shoes. Everybody's going to want these shoes. Oh, it's, it's a hundred percent true. I mean, what do we have? You had Kennedys, which were nice at the time. Yeah. Uh, did they have better technology in those ones than those random Zoom rival Ds? Or was it just they looked kind of cool? cool I don't know job. why. Yeah, I don't know. I, have, I remember the Jasaris being really expensive. And it was just a, basically like a plate attached to your foot. And everybody thought that was cool because there was no weight on them at all. And now they're putting foam back in. So they're making them, in essence, bulkier than they did before. Yeah. yeah, we got the RC 150s because they were like the lightest ones. Yeah, racing flats with the New Balance RC 150s. Yeah, the whole, well, that's the whole difference here, right? It went from minimalist to not maximalist because they're not running around in hokas, but right. I'm, well, actually, I guess they are. Some right? are, yeah. Yeah, they yeah, are basically. Pretty similar, actually. <laughs> yeah. Well, with the spikes, though, they're big. They're not that big. There's yeah. Just like, there's a little bit of, of foam in there. But the thing that's interesting is people are talking about, yeah, you can recover quicker and you can save your legs from pounding, which, again, if you were a high school coach, wouldn't you want your – and you want as many kids to have a good experience running and enjoying the season? Wouldn't that be a selling point? Yeah. You wouldn't be like, yeah, these absolutely. shoes are illegal because Joshua Chepter guy ran too fast in him. It's like, oh, wow, I may not have as many Achilles injuries on my team. That's kind of cool. We don't need to worry about that. Yeah, and, and probably probably high school kids. There's, I mean, the the variance you actually get from a shoe, you know, because like, I mean, we said this before, but like the pros, they're not all running at peak efficiency, obviously, but yeah, way yeah. more of them are than the the lower level you go. The more, hey, like these actually maybe they do make a big difference. Yeah, half a percent matters. Way more. Right, where you know, like we say, we talked about the same thing with alpha flies, where like, yeah, odds are if you're like a f- four hour marathoner, those shoes are might make a bigger difference than if you're like at the highest level because like it's the way it may maybe corrects your stride or or does whatever it does yeah but also the margins are different too yeah and you could also you know mess up your legs because you're not ready to (laughs) put that you know run in that different way or whatever but uh i don't know it's 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 interesting like i mean if i was if i was still a runner i would i would i'd be interested to try them out yeah we got a uh email from AJ from South Philly, who wants to let us know that he's still listening. And yeah. he said, with all the new shoe and spike takes, what do you think will be the next track and field equipment debate? New shoes for jumping events and advancement in vault pole technology, U.S. relay teams wearing wide receiver gloves. Ooh. Yeah, I'd be curious. Like, I don't know anything about jumping shoes. <laughs> um, so I don't know if there's, like, what things you could do, but it would seem like... Springs? Yeah, like full the full on spring shoes that you see like when the flashback to the fifties happens sometimes. Um, but uh, yeah, that'll be a that's a good question. It's gonna be shoes for a while, but I do I, I will be curious about like the jumping and and stuff like that when the throwing shoe like is that gonna be something soon? I don't know. I don't think the throwing shoe that's gonna be hard. You're gonna have to really sell me on that one. As yeah, being hey, I'm just you know it, oh it, the way it rocks you from the 
your heel to your toe gets the extra acceleration you need. And, oh, that's a good point. I didn't think about that. Yeah, that makes sense. I, mean, I, I don't think know how to throw, but here's 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 the issue though with those innovations. How many people are buying high jump shoes or shot right. put shoes versus your your marketing? A distance spike and a sprint sprint spike. It's way more worth the investment for these shoe companies, I think, right. to put to put it into. Now, not, that's not to say they're not going to put any development into them, but IAAF or World Athletics, aka Earth Sports, like they have they have regulations in place for every event, right? Yeah. So high jump, triple like, even though it wasn't those events that started it, <laughs> they're having to abide by restrictions now as well too. What if it's not a shoot thing, though? What if it's a pacing light type thing? What if it's mm, an, an, another yeah. innovation that comes from... There's already people who are way against that. Like you. Yeah. Oh, the I next know. thing I'm or the lights? Not... No, the lights. Yeah. I mean, like, it's, it's you know, it, I think it does matter. And I... But So they had I'm lights at this one? It. They had lights at this one, but they were set up in the model of... Remember the email we got? Where the person said, well, what's the difference between that and someone yelling for Joshua Shepta guy, like his split every 20 meters? That's basically what these lights were, except they were probably 40 or 50 meters. It was just one light. every. It wasn't a continuous mm. circuit. And I don't know if that had anything to do with the fact that they were off the pace the whole time, but it didn't seem to <laughs> help. Uh, yeah, I think – I mean in my head it makes more sense that a constant like beam that you're following would be right. easier. As to opposed just- to a random flash. Yeah, it would like be easier just to like maintain and like something to focus on. Yeah. As it's when you're in the lead and it's easy to drift off the pace slightly. Yeah. But I mean, I don't know. All right. Innovations. Just think. Think of some other ones that uh I mean a shot put that's lighter would probably yield some farther mm, throws. That's a good idea. <laughs> I like the wide receiver gloves. Like I feel like I, I I'm for that. That should be yeah, a rule. Is that is that is that I mean, I don't know. I guess that's not allowed, but like magnetic care. batons like we talked about before yeah that's where you know i don't know that's that's crossing a line i'm sure that's gonna and we'd still find a way to drop the baton you don't want yeah we'd have the two the magnets that repel each other not right the ones that, <laughs> ah i put in the wrong oh hand. we did it backwards two pluses ah, rats i want to see who's the fastest i don't really want to see who's the best at passing a baton i just don't <laughs> That's my controversial. But it is opinion. a skill. It is a skill. I, you know, I like that. There's a little tiny bit to it. I just wish it. Yeah, I wish it was a way that it wasn't so all-encompassing. <laughs> just so high stakes. Right. You lost everything. All right, we'll keep thinking about that. A thing, Mo. Uh, after the one fifty-eight forty, you think she's a trials favorite? She's Olympic team favorite now. Yeah, I, I think so. Um, you know, you go Wilson, Rogers, and then mm-hmm. Mo would be my third pick right now. Um, mm-hmm. though the women's eight hundred is deep and long college season, like it's it's not a guarantee. Like right, like I mean, it you see her run one fifty eight four indoors, you go holy crap, that's that's insane. She, I think she's absolutely one of the three best eight hundred meter runners for the women right uh, for the U S right now. But, I mean, we saw it with Brazier season, right? Yeah. And, and I'm not saying the same thing is going to happen to Mo, but, like, it, it is something to, to keep an eye on because mm-hmm. putting up a great time in late February, <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, yeah, this yeah. Is a, it's, it's, 
she's she's going to be great, and she. I mean, I look forward to seeing her run outdoors too. And it wouldn't surprise me at all if she makes the team. But uh, I just think it's it's one of those things we have to, you know, just not get too like oh she's she's definitely one of the best because there's five women like ready to you know run one fifty eight one fifty nine to try to take that third spot. Yeah, my pushback on that. Just in terms, I know you're saying she's not the same as Brazier, and I was talking about this earlier in the week or yesterday, I guess. Mo just has more experience at this point in her career than Brazier she did. She's sure. already been to an outdoor championship. She's run at the international level for under eighteen type stuff. She won a U.S. indoor title against Raven Rogers. Yeah, it was a six hundred off of it. But she's lined up with these types of people before, and she's been running now at a pretty high level for the last couple of years. Like her window, we talk about people's windows. Her windows started. I got the feeling, and you could say this is just revisionism, but it's almost like 2016, it almost felt like Brazier's window hadn't even started yet. He just, and I know he had run at Michigan and run all his impressive times, but based on how good he got after that, like, and once he figured out the championship part and he turned into a, well, he turned into the best 800 meter runner in the world. It felt like if he had made that team, you'd say, "Oh man, he's ahead of schedule." Basically, whereas with Mo, I feel like if she makes this team, it, it makes a little bit more sense just based on where she's been the last couple of years. And part of that could be just because she had some high profile appearances, so she's been on the radar more. Whereas Brazier really didn't have that many. It was a sudden ascent in 2016, but. Yeah, I have her. I have her third right now. Yeah, no, and hey, if you say pick your eight hundred team, she's on it for me. Like I, I think that I agree, Um, and I I do agree. Like it seems like she's already positioned better than Brazier was at that point. Mm -hmm. Uh, But man, I mean, we've seen it not just with Brazier, but just the the college season can can be tough. It's long, um, and it's just. Sometimes doesn't doesn't fully hold up. Um, I, like I said, yeah, I still yeah. bet on her to make the team. I mean, she's not going to be 19 until the summer. Uh, it's nuts how good she is. Uh, yeah, I, I, th- I mean, it just makes it that much more interesting. And, you know, even going forward a year or two in the future, it's like, okay, like maybe Aji Wilson won't be like the no doubt favorite because Mo could put that pressure on her for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's a bunch of people right there. Right at too flat 159 but <clears throat> I don't, right now mo looks closer to wilson than third place or fourth place does to mo yes for sure i mean and this i mean this race was just yeah front ran the whole absurd. way absurd i mean i mean and she you know she pr'd by by a whole bunch mm-hmm. um it just i don't know what else you say about this race it was just insanely impressive and she's a really good 800 or a really good 400 meter runner as well um oh yeah so, yeah, yeah. So I mean, like, yeah, she's she's I I am I'm a believer 100, percent but also like, it's just You've hard. Seen the like, it's just a, such a hard hard event, and you know, you do this for a long season. She's gonna have to be, you know, at top form for six months or whatever. That's gonna be tough. You were in the you were in the building in 2016 for that women's yeah. 800, where things went haywire. <laughs> yeah, I mean, hey, Montano gets out there, someone's gonna end up on the track at some point, probably. So. Yeah, everybody was on the track. Mart- Martinez. I mean, falling, falling down, and you know, whatever. I don't know. Every- it was, that was nuts. 
it was crazy. It was, it was crazy. And that, I mean, Wilson made the team, but she didn't, she didn't win the race. <laughs> right. It was, yeah. And even, was, and even Wilson, what? you know, at worlds, like she was as easy of a pick for right, gold right, as yeah. should have happened. And she finished third. Like, I mean, that's, mm-hmm. that was, that was weird. So like, I mean, if, if easily, you know, the, the, the dominant, best in the world favorite for gold can you know something can go slightly wrong that's because all it takes is for mo to be just slightly off on that day um but if she keeps this up it's it's not going to matter too much one thing wilson said which should give you more confidence in picking her if you're cheering for rajay wilson is she wants to try to find different ways to win she just she doesn't want to be a one race pattern type of person yeah and i think that's the next step for her the next evolution especially given that Semenya and the Insaba aren't there and she doesn't need to run she doesn't necessarily need to run 155 to win the title she just needs to run the her best race at the right time and then I don't think anybody can beat her but it's hard to do right it's with yeah, all yeah, the, it's... with all the ways that that race can can trip you up it's hard to put your best one together after all those rounds, after a long season with all the unknowns that an 800-meter final brings. It's very, very hard to do. I mean, Radisha did it. He did it pretty simply. Brazier did it. did it in a pretty simple way. But we've definitely seen, you know, Semenya's done it. But you've definitely seen a lot of people who not just were gold medal favorites, but just medal favorites in general. Not It doesn't work out. Yeah, everyone, I mean, you know, Rudisha had those, I mean, we've talked about Amos and all these other guys who have come in, run ridiculous times and not made finals or finished seventh in the final. And it's like, they should be, you know, favorite for silver or bronze or whatever. And it just, 800's tough. It's it's really, really tough. Mm. All right, let's go to this schedule change thing and then we'll do emails. Have you had a chance to look over what they switched for the U.S. Olympic trials? Yeah, so I'm, I'm looking at it a little bit, and, I mean, it's it's a lot. So um, I saw in here you put, you know, so the women's 5K is before the 10K. So mm-hmm. you can't do the 15.5. But I'm guessing your argument is it's not possible at the Olympics. So what's why, why would you make the Olympic trial schedule? Like, you, they should mirror each other, right? Is that is that basically uh, what you're thinking? Yeah, you successfully predicted my argument, but I'm I'm not saying just it has to be that way because the Olympics decided it's that way. I think from a spectator standpoint, it's way more fun to see the people in the race who actually would take the spots. Yes. And it's not I, I as fun when people end up dropping. Cause yeah, I, I think, I, I mean, I think you're you're definitely right in that aspect. It's the whole you know, uh, a standard B standard, but like also just like you want the, you want the three people who do it to be the ones making the team. So there's not the weird fourth, fifth place, whatever. Uh, so I do agree with you there. I mean, the better solution would be, Hey, change the Olympic schedule to make all the doubles doable. And then you mirror it this way. And yeah, you're going to get, you know, some people making two teams and then deciding not to run. Um, but I still would much rather have that, and give me the chance for Hulahan to run fifteen five if she wants to, or something like that. Because uh, why wouldn't we want that? Wait, so you'd rather they just kept it the same? 
No, no, oh no. I mean, like I, I think, like I said, changing the Olympic schedule because yeah, I think you're oh, right. Yeah, yeah. It, just for the, just for USA's, it would just be disappointing to to have it. You know, have the double be possible at USA's, but not at the Olympics is just even a next level of like, what are we doing here? Um, yeah. So yeah, perfect world. We change both and mm-hmm. get it all possible. Um, but I, I realize that's not uh, that's not up to the USATF. I just I think there's going to be enough people with those standards to where the standard thing won't be an issue, and the only thing that will be an issue will be people who don't take spots. I don't like it from the perspective of I really was excited about this 5K women's 5K at the end of the meet. Yeah, being the race, the race to end all races, especially if some people didn't make it in the fifteen or the ten thousand, because everybody would be coming back, and you just have some massive names there. Uh, and now that's completely gone, and now the five k is going to be—I don't want to say watered down because it's a trials final, it's not going to be watered down. But like, Shelby Houlihan's not going to run the five thousand unless she's not running the fifteen hundred. You just can't—you can't do both of them. Perrier yep. is going to have to pick between the fifteen. And the five, Jenny Simpson, even though she's been all 15 ever since she was a steepler, you know, obviously is going to have to pick between those, those two. It's going to be missing some of the firepower. Maybe some of the 10,000 meter people don't run it because they don't want to do two rounds of the 5k before the 10k. But I think the meet is long enough that you try it unless you really weren't confident in, in, in making it. But yeah, cause you have what a few days. In between the finals, right? Oh yeah, you got a bunch. So they have. Let me pull up. So the... ten thousands on day nine, and yeah. the women's five is on day four. So yeah, so you're talking five days, four it days seems rest. Do- seems doable, them. right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, so like, hopefully, yeah, you'll get the the ten five. You know, uh, people doing it because yeah, four full days I think is is enough. Um, but yeah, the. Women's fifteen, and then thirty-five minutes later, women's five is is not <laughs> ideal. It's a little difficult. Well, it's and tough. on the men's side of things, we have fewer men who are fifteen-five people. Really, don't have any. Yeah, better <laughs> like better. Centro could like maybe do it, but yeah, but he's not. He's not going to no, do no. that. Um, so for the men, it doesn't impact them as much. I also, in general, just like the meat starting. With the ten thousands and not the five thousands, I just because just I'm being a creature of habit, but yeah, just throw those you know do the distance night like the night before everything starts and like I'm all I'm all about it. Yeah, but yeah, do but I guess they're spreading it out for TV too. They don't want two ten thousands back to back, but yeah, night night one is men's ten thousand final, and that's the same night as the women's five thousand first round. Um, yeah, it's. That's that second round thing adds such a complication because you have to run an extra race, obviously, and then that means you can't do the final until day four. Whereas I, I know they have to do heats because there's too many people getting in, but if you did, if they just went straight final, and you did that on day one, and then the right. ten thousand was on day nine, it wouldn't even be, it wouldn't even be an issue. But yeah, and fifteen doesn't start until you know next day. Like you could you could do some stuff. I just wonder. Huddle and Sisson, do they run the five too? I, I'm thinking Huddle. Like I'm guess. I, I think Sisson does both. 
I guess Huddle, I mean, she certainly could do both. Like, I'm picturing her more making the 10 team, but mm-hmm. it wouldn't. Yeah, I guess it wouldn't surprise me. It's like, might as well do both because where in the past Huddle was basically a lock to make these teams. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's it's not the case this time. So it's like, yeah, might as well enter both and then, you know, see what happens. Do the, you know, hey, make. Yeah, because I think either way she's going to run the 10. So, yeah, she probably runs the five first. There's definitely going to be people who are, after the meet's over, thinking, man, I picked the wrong event. You're yes. going to look at the results and how it worked out and who's, who ended up scratching this or that and say, well, whoops. Because women's five, Schweizer is as close to a lock as you can get. Cranny is in there. She looks solid. Rachel Schneider, solid. But is there anybody else who's – chances are better in the five than they are in the 15 or 10 who's a serious player because you'd say huddle and sisson obviously better in the 10 you'd say enfeld better in the 10 yeah you'd say damato better in the 10 15 obviously you'd think shelby simpson uh, jenny simpson and eleanor purrier would go in the 15 so the, the the five could really thin out which is why i i see that maybe sisson and huddle try to go in on that one too just as, yeah. an, as an extra chance to to make the team yeah that makes i mean it makes sense and it's like i said i think you know having the the four-day gap there I, I think that's plenty to not not worry too much about it with that few people in it you're one injury away from one of the big time names from being right in the mix of that race and that's that it's gonna happen because that's just how the sport works there's gonna be somebody who yeah, either injured, just off day, whatever it is, yeah. you know, it's, yeah, it, it, it's going to, it's, I mean, it, it rarely goes pure chalk. They don't get a good start. I mean, in the 5K, that's key. Yeah, man. Got to get everybody off to a good start. You got to get out. That's the key. Just go to any high school cross-country meet or college, too, and you'll hear people yell, get out at the beginning. And that's because you got to get out. And if you don't, who knows what will happen. Email time. Yeah. Also, we're on gmail.com. We had the one from AJ. Let's uh, get another one here from Andre from Asheville, North Carolina, now living in Greenville, South Carolina, home of Furman University Cross Country. Drink. Yeah. Jason's favorite collegiate program. I'm still listening. I'm also a fan of Laura Muir. Do you think she can do it again and run fast? It was tough watching the last race she was in. She got dropped but so did many other runners on that track. Shoes are a hot topic and love it being discussed. See, someone likes the shoe discussion here. <laughs> yeah, so Mir got dropped by Gudolf Sagai when Sagai set the world record. I wouldn't – if I okay, so if I'm, if I'm in charge of Mir PR right now, if I yeah. get hired by our Laura PR, and I'm trying to say – list all the reasons why Laura's going to be fine, I would point to the fact that it's – just now March, that race was in February, a long, 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 long way away. I point to the track record of people who have really good indoor seasons and then burn out, or on the flip side of that, have modest indoor seasons and then turn in good outdoor seasons. I look at who's in the 15 in that in, in the meet, and I'd say, okay, well, yes, the guy's going to be formidable. Yes, Kipiegan's going to be formidable, but you have you probably have Safan Hassan, not running the event, mm-hmm. you're going to have to tangle with GDS, Houlihan, Simpson, whoever the Americans send. They're going to be tough. But you can still medal. 
th- there's nobody in there uh, that I think is unbeatable in a. I don't basically. I don't think we're going to see a 2019 Safan Hassan performance in 2021. I don't think we're going to see that and at the final. Sagai's the best candidate for it, just based on how fast she ran indoors. But that's a long way away, and I think Safan Hassan's performance was, while effortless, also very difficult, and she made it look much easier than it actually is. That's what I would say if I was Laura Mears, uh PR team right now. Yeah, she uh, she's just really unlucky with how loaded these events have been because she's mm-hmm. like what she's done um just for the past few years is i mean she's been consistently like top five in the world and it's just i mean think like i'm on her tila stopaya page right now and good 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 yep uh Fourth at Worlds 2017, fifth at Worlds 2019, fifth at Worlds 2015, sixth yeah. at Worlds 2017. Like, she's right there. Um, and people would attribute that to tactical mishaps. And maybe, and you know, hey, one or two of them, you could probably say, like, hey, she could have run that a little smarter, whatever, fine. Yeah. But she's also had to run in Hassan, who's, like, legendarily ridiculous. Kip Yegon, yep. who who just like just goes out and just wins medals. That's all she does. Um, Dababa, who whatever you want to say about her, she still runs like three fifty three, and she's been right with that group and consistently sometimes you know beat some of them. But it's just like there's like five different women well, who Samania are was in it that one year. <laughs> yeah, like who are just always there, and it's it's brutal. Like it's absolutely brutal. I mean, um. And I think she's she's right in that group. I don't. I, it feels like she just hasn't caught the break yet, and it seems ridiculous that she doesn't have a medal. Um, I'm yeah. a huge Laura Muir fan. I think she's going to get one. Um, she just needs she's, one little thing to go right. So, and I, I, I'm counting on that. She puts herself in it, and maybe she's maybe her tactical decisions don't yield the best average results. But one time, it's going to be right. And one time right. it's going to produce a a good outcome for it. The odds seem to be in her favor. Now our British faithful are probably banging their head against the table. Listen to this because they think, well, she keeps making the same mistake. It's never going to work. But I think she's gotten better with that, though. Right? I don't know, like, but so the, the you you know Laura Muir's bold run for home, patent pending, basically. That's what it is, right? She right. did. It's the modest version of what Alan Webb did in the World Championships when he ran that 12-second 100 in the middle of the 1500. Right. That's, that's what it is. She does, you know. I do she, feel like that's more 2015-2016 Laura Muir. I don't feel like we've seen as many of those situations in the last – I mean, obviously nothing really happened last year. But, like, even in 2019, I don't feel like she was putting herself in weird positions. But maybe I'm, maybe I'm misremembering. I just think – while the 12 second hundred had a very low chance of succeeding, <laughs> pushing from far out, one time it could work. It could work. It may not yield a gold, but it could yield a medal, certainly. And I know a lot of the other criticism is just she's in the wrong position, not on the rail. She's too far out. She's too far back, whatever. You know, she's taken on the lead. She shouldn't do that. She should wait longer. Basically, they're saying if you put Laura Muir's fitness, her top end in Jenny Simpson's oh yeah uh, I mean, like uh, master tactician suit 
<laughs> that you'd get more medals, but is what I'm saying. And that's but... 100% fair, because from a pure, like, talent, like, time trial aspect, Laura Muir is better than Jenny Simpson. But Jenny Simpson clearly has, you know, been the more successful runner without, yeah. Yeah. without, without question. So... You know, I mean, like Muir can, and she can run any race. If it's if it's fast, if they decide to go three fifty five, yeah, yeah, Laura Muir's going to be there. If it's going to be a kick in the last four hundred, she's going to be in there. Like she's got to get, like I said, she's just got to get a little lucky. Mm-hmm. Like I think is really what it comes down to, because um, she's not clearly better than everyone, but I think she's in the mix with mm-hmm. everyone. And sometimes, like, it's just. You know, you're just in a an unlucky spot. There's it happens in the NBA. You know, you can have like one of the best teams for like five straight years, mm-hmm. and something just keeps like going slightly wrong. Right? Yeah, like yeah. I mean, the, the, I know you hate the Houston Rockets from from that time period, but so far Laura Muir has been the Houston Rockets, but a likable Houston Rockets. I hope she's not still because I think they've lost ten. No, no, they, she they yeah they would have to trade away Laura Muir? I don't know how that works. So no, that's not that's not the case. <laughs> yeah, exactly. A lot of other stuff would have to go on uh for that to happen. Okay. Brian emailer for me from Raleigh in Pennsylvania now from Boulder. Drink. Hey guys, the Texas meet this past weekend was great. Uh does this prove it's not the shoes? I mean, did we even see any records? Come on. Underrated Preach. overlooked performance of the weekend. Mar- Mario Garcia Romo, the sophomore from Ole Miss, SEC champs 354 DMR anchor from the front. I will say the guy who got second in that, Elliot Kipsang, ran a 351 anchor and took his team from 10th to 2nd. And how about that name? Elliot Kipsang? Oh, that's you going to say Mario Garcia Romo. No, Elliot Kipsang is just like scary. Double fast name as it's known. Ven wins the 3,803, closing in 53. He's already broken uh, 4 slash 750 this season, but he's going to be really good. Another reason you haven't heard of him is because he's from. Spain. That is Brian. Can man? Do we want to talk about college runners breaking four anymore? <laughs> yeah, that, I mean that that can shouldn't we, be news. Um, can we stop with that? Yeah, because I mean, you know, high school guys are doing it every year. But I do like. I mean, also a good name, Mario Garcia Romo. Like I, I, I could, I could see that M- working. MGR. Um, yeah, give me, give me some Spanish runners in there. Why not? Like I'm all, I'm all about that. So yeah, I, I Spanish I like runners the cl- in the SEC even better. Yeah, I like closing in fifty three in a three thousand. That's pretty fast. That'll, that'll get you done. Like, yeah, so I, I'm I will keep an eye on him because I did not really know anything about him. John from North London. Yeah, it's time to pull my weight on the email front. Sorry for slacking. Now that Ilya Kipchoge has announced his plan to race the NN Mission Marathon in Hamburg on April eleventh, we talked about that, right? Yes, I I, well, I think so. The course is a 10.5K loop. What do you think Eliud would view as a successful outcome from the race? Do you think he'll be approaching it as just a tune-up for the Olympics, or will he attempt to reestablish his dominance with a world record attempt on a very fast course, acknowledging the possibility that the Olympics may not happen later in the year? If he runs a 204 and claims victory, this would surely be all that's required on both fronts, but there is an unfair expectation for him to always be pushing for the world record whenever he steps up to the starting line. How do you guys think he'll approach it, and how do you see it panning out? That is John. What do you think, Jace? It's a good question. Yeah. Um, I mean, he's right. Like 204, like the the median like result of this is him running like 204, 10, right? And just like easy mm-hmm. victory. Yeah. Um, but man, coming off a loss, like he, he probably wants to do a little something. So I'm going to say, I don't think he actually like gets close to the world record or anything, but uh, I think he could run like 203 low, 202 high. 
get it like everyone kind of going okay he's he's kipchoge again everything's everything's fine and you know be the easy favorite for the olympics just win baby yeah i mean i, I would love him to obviously just like go nuts but i think i think if he if he's sub 204 like that's that's where i expect him to be assuming it's a decent field if he gets a win i think that's all he wants and that's all he needs i think that expectation that john talks about is real but I, in my opinion, I think that shifted once he lost. I think it switched more to, okay, let's just see if he can win again. Let's just see. Can he start another streak? Because, listen. Right. 159.40 with the asterisk. You know, the, the running too, too flat. Realistically, where was he going to go from there anyway? Were we going to say, we're only impressed by Ilhu Kipchoge if he runs 201.03? <laughs> I, right. Yeah. So th- yeah. I mean, it's, you it know, was heading it, it this was... way anyway, and then all it took is one loss for us to think, okay, well, let's just see if he can start another win streak because that would be crazy. Yeah, and I, th- I, I do just wonder because I mean, he is a robot, basically. Like, it, I, I would be curious, like, what's going through his head? Is he going like, okay, I, I lost. Like, this is. Do I need to like go out there and just like destroy everything? Yeah. Or is he just like, eh? business as usual just get back to what you do like yeah, i because yeah, yeah. I, I don't know we don't know what kipchoge is like as a coming off a bad race mm-hmm. like we have no idea what what that is because that doesn't happen so it's it's interesting where it's just like yeah does does he does he feel the need to prove something or does it or is it just business as usual like i honestly i honestly don't know he's only lost one other marathon i would think this is all just in service to prep for the olympics and if he could get in a cha- if he could have had assurances that he could get in a championship style race, then that would have behooved him to do it. But because of COVID, you don't know what's going on. So now he just wants to test himself over over the distance on a fastish course and see what happens. But I think it's just a w- winning. If he wins, it's a good day. If he doesn't win, it's a problem. I, I hate for it to be that binary. Because- no, no. But it, I mean, you're right. I mean that is that's all that really matters. Yeah. Um, Cuz at the Olympics it, it doesn't matter if he runs 245. It's does he right. get the gold or not. Yeah, he won 2016 in 20844. And no one knows that except is you the, right now cuz you looked it up. That's it. Yeah. It's cuz it's I knew it was his slowest time of his career and it yeah. is by like four and a half minutes. And but it doesn't matter. Like, <laughs> yeah, it doesn't matter at all. Yeah. All right. Let's move on. But it was also the largest margin of victory in the Olympics since 1972. So oh. how about that? The since 1972 is really what I enjoy there. Yeah. <laughs> is Bob from Georgia, formerly from California? Drink. You ever been to Georgia, Jason? Just the airport. doesn't really mm. count, though. Yeah, that's right. We talked about that. I have. Yeah. Red State. Long-time listener, but seldom an emailer. Following up on your idea to name three cities in each state, I propose to name the three top running-related cities in each state. Places Oof. that are meccas for runners or where seminal milestones were achieved, smaller and more obscure, the better. I will start with my home state of California, Walnut, home of Mount Sac. Yep. Points for track and cross country. Compton, site of the 1964 California relays, where Jim Ryan became the first high school miler under four minutes. Echo killer Summit. Killer Streets of CPT. Yep. What's that? Oh, I said the Killer Streets of CPT. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Echo Summit, site of the 1968 Olympic trials chosen to match the altitude of Mexico City. For some states, mm. such as Oregon, it'll be tough to limit to three cities. For other states, such as Maine, it may be tough to find three. 
uh, as an aside, he says, check out this archive 1964 Sports Illustrated article reporting on the California relays, a snapshot back to a lost era when the mainstream sports media actually paid attention to track and field. Really enjoy the podcast. Keep up the great work. Thank you, Bob. Appreciate that. Uh, I'll check out this article for sure. Yeah, there's all sorts of these crazy like pre-running at the LA Forum and there's 20,000 people in the stands. Right. <laughs> It's just weird to think. Just Do you think people world? I hate to compare our sport to some of these weird pop-up sports now that just come out of nowhere. But do you think there'll be, I don't know, an arm wrestling podcast in twenty years that'll mm. be talking about how man arm wrestling used to be on ESPN? <laughs> like we really had it. We thought we had something. Now you have me looking up arm wrestling in the podcast uh, store here, and <laughs> oh, there's got to be an arm wrestling podcast. So this is arm wrestling nation. Sounds uh, like an arm the, wrestling the podcast. Subliary report. Is not, there a, not totally it, sure, but is there one called House of Arms? <laughs> there should be. Yeah, right. we can franchise a little bit here. Uh, do you have any states? Well, what? See, I'm trying to think of other. Those are good ones for California. For Oregon, obviously, you'd go Eugene, but yep. then where would you go? Would you go Portland? Because they hosted World Indoors, yeah. Would you go? That's... Would you go Bend? Because that's where Ashton Eaton's from, and that carries enough weight. Coos <laughs> mm. Bay, little little yeah. play action. Yeah, yeah, exactly. A lot of different ways you can go. Um, let's see, Texas. Got to go Austin. I'm trying to think of other meets. You know, Austin's Texas relays. Yeah, I mean, would you go? Houston had the marathon trials. Mm. It's tough to pick. You know, his state of Georgia, you got Atlanta. They got Pete, they got Peachtree there, and they had the marathon trials. Uh, made you go Athens because the University of Georgia. This is yeah, this is a lot harder than I thought. Uh, by the way, uh, three cities in Connecticut. Go. Oh man, um, <laughs> three cities in Connecticut. Yep. Don't look up. Don't look. No, up. no, I'm not. I'm not. I'm just. Uh, I'm just trying to think. You can do this. Oh. I can. I can. I, I know some things. Um, so let's see. What's the capital? I'm trying to go with that. I used to know all the capitals, and mm-hmm. it's been a long time since I've done that. Uh, okay, so you have Hartford? <laughs> Correct. Okay. I don't know if that's the if that's capital or not, but whatever. Um, New Haven? Correct. Home of Yale. One more. And what's another... I'm sure there's a Springfield, but I'm not going to cheat and use that one. Um, Hartford? That's the first Sorry, one I said, you said that one. Jason. <laughs> so, I was like, wait a second. Did I say that already? How old are you? Oh, uh, this is, I know it from something. Bridgeport? That's, that's, I've yep. learned that from somewhere. That's three. Good job. I bet you can oh. get, I bet you can get at least two more based on clues. Oh, actually, three more. I bet you can get three more based on clues. Uh, ESPN. Oh, Bristol. Yep. I should have gotten that. Uh, the office satellite offices when they expanded. Or one oh. of the other, other ones. Okay. So you've got Utica. That's New that's York. Not, that, yeah, so that's not that. Um, you've got... I can't think of who was at this branch, but... Yeah, it was like... It was, well, Jim, uh... Jim, Jim was at this branch. This was Jim, I think. Oh, he did go there. Okay, so he went to... This Man, is where Jim met Karen, this. I think. Yeah, I'll say that's the yeah, that's the that one and Andy, right? Mm-hmm. Um I think I'm right on this. 
I'm totally. Yeah, I, sh- I should know it, but I'm totally blanking. You give up? I, I don't have it, yeah. Yeah, so this branch merged with Stan- with uh, Scranton. It's Stanford. 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 Okay, final yeah. one that you'll get. Uh, Yukon. Yukon? Yeah. Uh, oh, like University of Connecticut? Um, yeah. What city is Yukon in? Oh, wow. I thought you'd be able to get it. I, I mean, I... Stores. Man. Stores? You didn't know that? No, I did not. Never watched any Yukon growing up? Never watched... Yeah, any, I mean, you know, like and... uh, Kemba Walker hit some big shots for Yukon. I remember yeah, that. Uh, yeah. uh, Danielle Marshall. Donnell Marshall. Ooh, yeah. Both the Marshalls. Uh, yeah, Stores, Connecticut. It's not big. It's only I mean, it sounds familiar now that you say it, but like, I don't... I wouldn't have pulled that. Yeah. I, uh, Gino yeah. Oriyama, Diana Taurasi, Rebecca I, Lobo. I That's right. Brianna Must, Stewart. I mean, didn't they pa- win like 130 games in a row? Paige Becker's out there right now doing work. Best freshman in the nation right now. Check her out. Yeah. She's really good. Oh, yeah. She's amazing. You should watch You should watch Paige Becker's play for UConn if you haven't. Anyway, uh, thanks, Emo, for Bob. Let's go now to – oh, this is a good one. Uh, get your Google machine open because there's a quiz in this email. Okay. I did not unless you do you want to take the, you took the last quiz so I can take this quiz. Okay, which one is this one? So this is from Alicia. Okay. She says some questions for you, some mundane, some off topic, but hopefully interesting to think about slash answer. One, what do you think the leopard print Adidas kit? Do you prefer kits to be bold or low key? What is the ultimate answer to this kit situation in your eyes? Is it athletes choosing their own colors, athletes being able to customize kits like the Lavilla A Tamberry, a plain kit or a bold kit? So I'm, I'll answer these before we get the trivia. I mean, I'm not a huge fan of leopard print. It's fine. It's something different, which is cool. Uh, the second part of the question is they should have a pattern that's similar, and then different athletes should ver- choose the colors. So that way you vary the colors, especially if similar athletes are in the same event. So I yes. don't mind there being just one Adidas kit, but there should be different shades of it for people in the same event. And um, it should be bolder. Go bold. Oh, I, over, to me, right now, the best kit is Bowerman's kit. Um, the Nike barbed wire kits that they used last year, it made more sense during COVID when you, all the tracks were closed and there was literally barbed wire over some of them. <laughs> right. like that made that sense. I don't like that design. The Puma ones look too much like the Nike ones. Um, yeah, nobody is that. the bold. I like Bowerman because they have their own and it has a little bit of a, a, little bit of a kick to it. Um, who is one athlete you'd really like to see win a medal this year? <clears throat> Laura Muir. Well, I don't play favorites on this show. I just, you know, I, I do. Brits every time. Laura Muir. Uh, let's see. Uh, who who would I like to see win a medal this year? Marvin Bracy. I mean, well, actually, I'm trying to think Good. who who could win a medal to prove my. Oh, uh, if if uh, Benjamin beats Warholm, then I'll have a. Oh like wow! Up on Jason. Yeah, yeah. That's all. Just I mean, he's he's like, probably he's very likely going to medal. Um, but yeah, if he actually beats him, I want a gold. I I, I took that question too. Oh, and Bramell, I would like to see Bramell get a medal. Yeah, that'd be cool. Three. If you Fin- were a retired athlete back. and world record holder, would you publicly acknowledge attempts at your world record? Colin Jackson, I'm looking at you. Yes, a thousand percent. All the time. Because I would. 
I would send out video like if if there was a known hey blah blah blah's going for your world record this thing there'd be a little video of me like the 72 dolphins popping open a bottle of champagne <laughs> and drinking it popping up on Twitter after every attempt that didn't if they work. missed it yeah and then but- once they got it I would give them a hearty congratulations as well but I would I would play like the slight old man villain for a little bit first oh I would love to just any opportunity to talk about myself, I would use it if I was a world record holder. A hundred percent. Yes. Oh, yeah. And then if absolutely. they get it and if they, they break it and then you're like, Hey, congrats. Records are made to be broken. Then you got to find something else to do with your time other than. Yeah. But you enjoy it while you have it. Cause guess what? You, you know, world records. Yeah. They're going to be broken at some point. So you got to enjoy every second of that. Yeah. Some people say records are in fact made to be broken. I, uh, All right. Yeah. I love that. I, I think people should, should embrace harder into it. All like right. in a fun way though. Do you want to read the trivia here? It's question number four. Okay. Just for fun, without looking, can you name the silver medalist in the men's and women's 400 hurdles in Rio? All right. Do you have that up? Uh, I can put it up right now. I actually Sorry, didn't. I, just... I actually didn't look. You did not. Okay. I read I the mean, email. You're going to do, didn't... you're probably going to do really well at this. No, I don't think I am. I'm nervous. Okay. You're really good at stuff like, stuff like this generally. For some reason though, my short-term Olympic memory is not that good. Okay, 2016. Well, let's just say, okay, so for the men, let me just start with gold. It was Felix Sanchez again, wasn't it? So I'm pulling it up right now. It was not. What? Okay, what am I thinking then? Oh, geez. Gold. Why can't I not think of 2016 gold? If you get silver, I'll be really impressed. Because there was those years that went back and forth between Angelo Taylor and Felix Sanchez. Yeah, I don't know if that was just a little before 2016. Okay. Um, geez. Is it someone random like Maggi from Estonia? Um, so the the gold medalist is... Sorry, I scrolled away. Is Karunkelmet. Oh, that's uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, that, yeah, that's I sh- okay. But so, okay, so so, but I'm guessing silver, but right? Guessing silver, yeah. Okay, so it's not Maggi. It's no. some. It's it's an Eastern European guy, right? It is not. Is it Carson Warholm? <laughs> uh, um, who is it? I don't. I don't. I give up. I can't even guess. So it, it was from a, a nation that was generally not great, you wouldn't think of, in, in the hurdles, but you'd think they're really good in distance racing. Oh, Nicholas. Is it Nicholas Bet? No, but a different Kenyan. The late Nicholas Bet. A different Kenyan got silver other than Nicholas? <laughs> I don't even know. Uh, I don't know even know how to say his first name. Tamuti? Bonaf- Bonafaci? Boniface? Boniface Tamuti. Yeah, I know. Okay. Uh... Women's? Would not. I mean, I, there's, you could have given me forever, and I would not have gotten that. that that's, I just told that that's just not in my head. Okay, so women, silver medal. See, I, I'm sure this is how out of mind <laughs> the foreign hurdles was. So who won the gold medal? Okay, in 2016, who won the gold? Yeah. Hesnova? No. Someone who's still pretty good. American? Okay, it's not Corey Carter sure in the World Championships. It's not Dalil Muhammad. Or is it? Oh, wait, Dalil Muhammad won the... Yeah, yeah. Okay. 
Uh, okay, so silver. Jeez. Uh, let's see. Wow, oh, oh, I'm gonna. Uh, Part of my heritage is from this country. Oh, Ireland. Oh, the other half. My uh, my mother's maiden name. Same mouse, same maiden Colombian, name. Colombian, huh? So a Colombian person. <laughs> I don't know. I don't, so I'm, from Denmark, can you name who was from oh, Denmark? Oh, Sarah Slot Peterson? Yeah. Okay. That was pathetic. The fact that I didn't even know the little Muhammad one. I, <laughs> she had like two rise. Like she had that part of her career and then she right. like had this other – because she's so much better than she was now, but she was already a gold medalist. It doesn't make any sense. Okay. Uh, keep going. That was bad. Bad start by me. Not the best. Um, okay. The women's high jump champion in Rio. Women's high jump champion in Rio. I mean, Lasaskine. I don't know if no. these are trick questions or not. <laughs> no, I mean, uh, I mean, they, someone did win the gold medal, so it's not a trick question. Um, okay. It's not Lasaskine. Uh, not Lasaskine. Correct. Okay. Boom. That's second. I'll give you try. that one. That's that's good. Second try, solid. Uh, oh, now I got to go to Beijing, twenty fifteen. What's the question on this one? Uh, so the question is the bronze medalist at the 110 meter hurdles in Beijing, 2015. Okay, so bronze medals, a oh, 110. So not the. Okay, I thought she was going to do the women's one where the U.S. didn't get a medal. Oh man, <laughs> still the least likely thing that has ever happened. Oh, man, this was hard for the men. So this was after merit, merit's run. Yeah, so it wasn't like him at his at his. Page. I want to say Shubenkov won. Am I wrong? He did. Yes. Okay. Correct. Okay. Cool. Twelve ninety eight right. national record. So, so Lagarde was not in that. He kept missing the medals. I think. He did not medal. Um, okay. Second place was so hot right now. Hansel. Yeah. So that means third. Was it an? Is it an American? It was. Oh, this isn't very fun when I guess. Uh, who made the 2015 team? Not David Oliver, Jason Richardson, uh, Ronnie Ash? No. Ali Harris? No. You've already named him. Oh, I did? <laughs> Merritt? Yep. Oh, okay. Merritt was your bronze medalist. Jeez. This is Alicia's opinion of me is just dropping. <laughs> uh, let's see. The stadium used for the Moscow World Championships. Do you take notice of stadium names? Luzniki. L-U-Z-Niki. I'll take your word for it. I didn't even get there yet, but that's impressive. I, mean, I think I'm, I I bet a lot of money on that. Uh, Doha was Khalifa Stadium. Uh, London is – our stadium is always full, even if the decathlon is going on at 3 in the morning stadium. Can you believe how many people we have? Uh, Beijing is probably just, is it just – well, the bird's nest – uh let's see yeah moscow we already named daegu i don't know what the daegu stadium i don't remember that one and then oh nine would be berlin i don't remember that one either so, so no not 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 often that's still pretty good though lucinki yeah yeah you're you're correct yeah and then she says an athlete you'd like to see try an event they're not a specialist in i'd like to see shelly and fraser price in the high jump I've... yeah Ooh, i mean a yeah, holloway and a bunch of stuff would be my pick. Um, so he said, well, who's the most exciting junior athlete you've ever seen? Junior. Um, 
had I seen? I mean, the one junior championship I really remember was the one in Eugene in 2014 where you know, Mary Kane was racing. There was some promising U.S. sprinters. Kane I mean, is I guess, up there for most exciting junior athlete. I guess I would Web. say Ing- Ingebrigtsen, though, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, that's a good point. I, I want to redeem myself. Can you pick another random final from one of these Olympics and uh, okay. see if I can rack my brain? Make sure it's moderately. So I'll, I'll just—I still got the Rio tab open, so we'll stick with Rio. Ugh. Um, so long ago. So it's got to be one that's not too obvious. <laughs> Foreign Earls was a good one because it just shows you how much we've. Uh, changed our uh outlook on that event right yeah for sure whereas now it's yeah as, as marquee as it gets um okay what about the what about the high hurdles on the men's side in, in rio high hurdles rio oof just i'm like i go into my head i go into the file i try to open it up and it's just it's just completely blank go into your mind palace you got this uh okay i'm in my mind palace 2016 i'm trying to think of who even made the team okay i know Devin allen made the team I do remember that because I went back to the trials and he jumped at the stands. I do remember that. I do remember that. That was fun. Merritt did not uh, make the team. Who else made the team for the U.S.? Okay, I'm going to go Omar McLeod. Gold medalist. Yep. Uh, Silver, I'll go Ortega. Silver medalist. Well done. I would not have pulled third for sure. I mean, I probably wouldn't have. I probably, I think I would have got McLeod. Ortega, you know, might have might have picked, but definitely would not have gotten McLeod, Ortega, and then bronze medal. It's not an American. It is not. People think it's an American. It's not. It's not PML because he didn't get a medal until last year. Nope. Oh. He got fourth. Oh. Was it Baji from Hungary? No, it was oh. not. That would, that would have been a, a good pull. Uh, oh, shoot. Bronze. This is, again. I so just... in the finals, you had, you already got Jamaica and Spain. You have, you know, you said PML. He was fourth, France. You had two Americans, a Canadian, someone from Cyprus, and another Frenchman. Oh, did the other, did Belosian get the bronze? Dimitri Basque. Oh, yeah. Same. Yep. Never right. would have pulled that. Nope, I wouldn't have done that either. Long time ago. But you got you got gold and silver. That's pretty solid. Yeah, I knew McLeod had a gold, and then Ortega is always good and to pick in there. And... Who was silver and bronze in the men's eight hundred? Oh well, bronze was Murphy. Correct. Seeing if you remember that, you know. Silver, uh, gold is Radisha. Do I get points for that? Yeah, I'll, I'll give you a half point for that. Uh, it was. So Silver was not Alfred Kipketer, who went out in, f- whatever, 48 and tried to run his countrymen off the track. Yep. Silver. I just can't picture any of these races. A lot of times I can just they, – the memory pops up in my head. It's not Nigel Amos. It's, Didn't it's not, make the final. Yeah, of course. It's not Boss. Fourth. Uh, Adam Schott. Probably not no. it either. No. He didn't make the final, but his, his countrymen did, but did not uh, did not finish second. Okay, it's gonna come to me. It's gonna come to me, Rudisha. I mean, this dude—he wins medals at Olympics. That's mainly what he does. Oh, McLuthy! Damn it! Yep. Damn it! I knew that. Okay, two silver medals in the in the rare eight fifteen silver medalist. <laughs> I knew. Yeah, that was that was bad. Okay, uh, Justin, 
writes in. He says, shoes grown, I know. This is a very UK focus, especially Mark Scott and Elliot Giles, but it's really coming to a head and taking away from all the great performances of late. It's been all over the news, well, social media variety anyway, about how it's the shoes that are creating these amazing times we're seeing. Now, of course, they are representing an improvement, but here are five of the reasons why it might be much more about the athletes and the footwear. One, what about those not wearing super spikes? So far this season, we've seen a women's world 1500-meter record, Jamie Webb smashing the old UK 800 record, countless Irish distance records, not to mention good old Marcine Lewandowski breaking the Polish record, all wearing yeah. old non-carbon spikes. Are we to believe that if Jamie had worn the super spikes and got the allegedly one second per 400 boost, he would have run 142? Of course not. Two, perfect tactical execution of race. How many times have we heard commentators criticize runners for getting boxed in, bunched up, speeding up, and slowing down? For both Elliot, uh, Giles, and Mark Scott, they ran exemplary tactics, totally even effort, never leaving the curb to run wide for a single step, never drifting through the field, then speeding up again, never having to clip their stride for a second. Perfection doesn't happen often, but they both executed perfectly. Three, perfect pacing. Back to the commentator's frequent cry of, look at these pacemakers. They've gone off far too quickly and are ruining the race. Certainly Elliot, but especially Mark, had world-class athletes pacing them till late in the race with the lap times that never varied from optimal by more than 0.5 seconds a lap. Not only is this efficient, it's also scientifically proven as the most effective and therefore quickest way to run a race. Happens rarely, but they both nailed it. Four, perfectly focused lead-up. How many times have we heard the same commentators slash experts talk about runners leaving their best races on the circuit and not be right for the championships? What if the COVID lockdown had removed these bad choices for athletes? No chasing money, road races, no doing it for the club, minor events, no owing a favor to a promoter, additional events, no going to the pub or nightclubs, just a clear and focused path to their next big event. Instead of them being complacent that they were that they would always be another race next week. Athletes were faced with a real do-or-die opportunity to go for broke. Five, what about the Olympic lift? If we look at the athletes in the non-distance running events, we are seeing similar big improvements, record numbers of six-meter pole vault, record levels of men's shot put distances, breakthrough performances in the UK in the men's long jump, and women's shot put, a resurgence in global men's high jump. Can't put these down to carbon-plated distance spikes. Maybe we're seeing... What we see every four years, athletes lifting their game, but perhaps lockdown has forced a wider range to do it in a more concentrated time frame. Some worry about the legacy of the sport. The sport's always been more about races than times from different eras. Does anybody think Emil Zatopak would be the 171st best 10th, 10K runner in UK history? Of course not, even though that's where his best time puts him. Finally, I also firmly believe we as a sport are yet again shooting ourselves in the publicity foot. On Monday, after the national champs, there was barely a single article or mention of them and nothing about Mark Scott running the second fastest time ever by a UK athlete. There was, however, a lengthy Guardian article about the shoes. Other sports, the ones where real the real sponsorship money is going, are great at picking themselves up. We seem more interested in putting ourselves down. Can you imagine if in 1954 the media had headlined with Bannister uses pacemakers that John Landy never used? <laughs> no, instead it was rightly heralded as one of the sports greatest achievements and still is to this day. Luck for Sir Roger that Twitter wasn't around back then, I guess. All the best for a return to sport for all. If Roger Bannister did have Twitter back then, he would have been Roger Bannister 359, right? That oh, account. absolutely. Yeah, that's – and I mean I, I'm i sure there is a uh, – there was someone who had that take like right after Bannister did it, like was just like – Yeah, they just didn't have the yeah, it's megaphone. Not the he should have done it, but um, – so yeah, I think he he brings up a lot of a lot of very good points. 
Um, I do. I am curious too on how the crazy off year, like if that's going to help people for the upcoming year, or what you know what what it does exactly. Just because it's kind of something we've never seen before. We get the regular off year, but it's it's different. You know, there was barely any racing at all. People are more rested. Is it is it going to lead to to better times or? Yeah, I don't know. It'd be interesting. Yeah, we don't know because there's never been in the modern era a point of comparison. Right. And, you know, his point is you cut out the extraneous races and athletes are solely focused is is an interesting point to consider. And also from the collegiate perspective, there's been collegiate coaches who basically said you can't mess around this year because you don't know when the next meet's going to happen and you got to get your yeah. qualifying time and you got to be ready. So, you're, no, you're not going to run – this random 1k if we can help it we're going to you're going to run your best try to lock up your quality times when you can and we've seen and every runner who's run knows this sometimes you run fast times when you don't expect it and not even at the best time of the season for you but that's just it just worked out that way that one year and i think with everybody going for it all the time or at least a higher percentage of the time as opposed to everybody waiting until the end you're going to see these random hits more often, I think, because people don't want to waste opportunities. That's yeah, probably going to lessen now because now people are feeling like things are opening up and they're going to get more chances to race. But at least a few months ago, that was not the case. Yeah, and it, I mean, both you don't know when your next race is going to be, and it's been or it's been so long since you've actually raced too. Like mm-hmm. athletes like to race, yeah. despite some of them not choosing to sometimes. But like. I think there is something to be said about that where like if you haven't had like what you feel like a real race in nine months or or whatever it is, like you probably wanna let it go a little bit, right? Like yeah. just like kind of get out there and see what you can do. I, I don't know. I would think so. Yeah. Oh hundred percent. Hundred percent. Uh we got another one about shoes from uh from Jerry passes along an article. Basically it references the brush spikes, which if you haven't read that story you can look back to olympic trials past where there was another spike controversy at the the um 68 68 trials and the spikes that were used in the trials for some people were disallowed big controversy mm-hmm. but there's a sports illustrated article uh, that he passed along a link to um you type in sports illustrated 68 olympics puma you'll probably find it but everything old is is new again i think that's the lesson yeah, I'm not surprised at all. But I mean, I I did not know about this from '68. I didn't remember that because I. Are you know about the brush alive. spikes? Um, yeah. yeah, I didn't. I didn't really remember that. I think I feel like I've heard of the yeah. brush spikes before, but I didn't really know anything about it. So uh, dive yeah, in, gonna, dive into that. I'm gonna, piece I'm gonna check of this out. Running history, Jason. You can. These spikes are nuts looking, though. The brush spikes. Yeah, you get they got a picture right when you click on the link here. So. Well, that's that's just good journalism there. Put the picture next to the link. Yeah, it's just uh, I've never you know seen a spike like that before, and you'll never see one again. Well, one of the things they conclude is they they outlawed the spikes, and then they you know marks got beaten later in Mexico right. City at at higher altitude. So, um, yeah, it's yeah a lot of little tiny. I don't. They almost look like little nails, right? Like yeah, I mean, and they're in like perfect. So there's like six rows, mm-hmm. and there's like I don't know a dozen per row just yeah. like right next to each other so kind of looks like a brush 
Huh. Brush strike. Okay. Um, but yeah, it's just never seen one like that before. And I guess it just makes you, you know, I could see how it could make you uh, kind of grip the track better. But I don't know if they're really, I guess I'll have to read to find out what the what the full thing happened here. Do you think it's, is this tough for you to handle? Because one of your favorite parts of Without Limits was when Bowerman is doing the math on how much weight pre-shoes yeah. carry around. And that's all a lie now because what he should have been saying is, no, Bill, make them heavier, but put a firm carbon plate, have it interact with Peabacks foam. and the He tried relevant. to do it, but the waffle iron just would not cooperate with <laughs> carbon. Uh, you know, he started a fire just, in his house. Yeah, it just completely just sealed it shut and uh, things went terribly wrong. The next version is going to be them talking about how much weight they need. That's be the next. <laughs> make them bigger. Bigger shoes. All right, we got we got a really good one from uh, Chris about Colin Jackson on reality TV, and then he also breaks down the different newspapers in the UK. This is hilarious. I read this email, but I will save it for for next week. We also got one from Chris from Omaha about the name of the old Oregon Project, Pete's Pete Julian's group, which I asked him about in the interview too. By the way, he. Says it's not going to be Phil's Knights or Pete's Dragons, so we can oh, confirm that. Man. But, uh, we also got one about a close encounter with the goat by Kyle from South Dakota. So we'll get to that one next week. Uh, one more, I'll read Marshall though. He put everything in one email. Uh, he's from St. Louis, formerly of Iowa. So he starts off talking about Iowa. Drink. They won the indoor Big Ten championships. Go Hawks! Uh, and then he says, an odd schedule quirk on Thursday. The final of the 3K was at 1.20 p.m., which was immediately followed by the final of the DMR at 1.55. <laughs> is there anyone in the world of track and field who knows how to schedule a meet tour out for doubles? <laughs> yeah, there's one person. He's on the I, other side of this uh, this call. Just give me, a, just make me the schedule master. Like, I'll do it. I'll, I'll make this happen. <laughs> uh, it is interesting, though. So NCAA indoors is going to be weird this year because the women are going to be all to get just to minimize the amount of people. In the venue, they're going to break it into, like, a women's section and then a men's section. Uh, yeah, that, you know, that makes, whatever you have to do, obviously, to make it make it safe. I'm not, uh, not against that. Yeah. Uh, 1C, great finish of the men's 800. People might have seen that at Big Tens. It's pretty crazy. There's a dive. Check it out if you haven't. Oh, yeah. Uh, he says, uh, he says, humidity played a big factor in a few races this weekend. Prior props to Zuhar Talby for his essentially solo 28-12-10K. Where over the half of the field dropped out before 5K. Yeah, I was watching that. And I was like, where did everybody else go? <laughs> I was doing an interview or talking to someone. And I looked up That's and pretty nobody, nobody else was left. Great run by Molly Seidel and nasty humidity. Also, I didn't think it was that humid in Austin. Maybe I'm just getting used to the humidity, but it didn't feel too bad. But whatever. Uh, I wasn't running a 10K, so what do I know? He says, side note, a guy from St. Louis was the lead pack through 10K. He finished... He was in the lead pack through 10K, 3042 or 457 mile. He finished in 118 flat, 557 miles. Oh. Uh, I'm 95% sure he was not a rabbit. That one has to hurt. And he says the announcers of the trials of miles qualifier meet repeatedly mentioned how those who grew up in warmer climates were more likely to be adopted, adapted to the humidity in Austin on Saturday. I'm calling BS. Even if you've been doing all your running in a sauna, Trying to run fast in humidity is equivalent to running while having your head wrapped in a wet towel and then getting kicked in the groin, and you never <laughs> get used to it. <laughs> yeah, like temperature-wise, I see it, but he, yeah, humidity is it's just a different beast. Um, that was – we talked about the announcers, probably Chris Chavez, which reminds me, Jason. Remember, next time you go to a meet, 
and you ask a question and someone doesn't like it, what do you say? Yeah, I'm Chris Travis from uh, from <laughs> SI. It's, there you uh, go. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I mean, I don't deal with much humidity here at all. Uh, I know anytime I visit places with humidity, it's it's very difficult. I imagine you get. Uh, I, I mean, would you think it's a slight advantage, like if you uh, if you live in that in that kind of climate, or are you just saying saying none at all? I'm not saying it's not miserable, regardless. But I, I, yeah. I think even the slightest prep for that is probably uh, is probably it, helpful. Right? Yeah. It's you're just I get more used to the. But either way, yeah, it's comfort. I mean, but it's it's not like being acclimated again. It's just not it's not the same as being acclimated, just like straight heat, right? Like if we raced a team in high school that had come from I don't know the Northeast or something, and they got randomly dropped into Las Vegas, and we were yeah. on equal footing, I'd assume we were we'd have a better shot at beating them. What, yeah, one hundred and five degree heat for sure. Yeah, I don't know, humidity just. It's just a different, a different beast. I don't know. Also, I think even if you live at humidity, you you try to avoid it as much as you can, right? So, like, you're going, at, you're running in times when it's way less humid. Yeah. Um, also, here's a bigger picture answer, though. A lot of these people just aren't training in bad climates because why would you? You're living yeah. in Oregon. You're living in Boulder, Colorado. You're training in Flagstaff, Arizona, right? These are good climates to train in, which is why you're training in them. Yeah, there's an occasional person who trains in in Michigan, and there's a group that trains in Boston, but they're doing training stints in other places in some cases. And I think that's more the reason why it felt warm is because if you are used to 40, 50 degrees in Flagstaff, well, high 60s in Austin with a little wind is going to feel not ideal. That's what I think it was. Yeah, that's fair. All right, we'll leave it there. We'll save the other three emails for next week because, you know, we may never get any more emails. That may be it. <laughs> People might give up on the show. And just say, you know what? Sent my last email. And that's it. Please write in, folks. Yeah. Like I said, just say hi. Good response this week. Great response. Thank you, everybody. That was awesome. Um, How's it gmail.com is the email address. Any, any last words? I see our logo is gone now, so maybe that's why people aren't listening anymore. Maybe that's it. <laughs> yeah, I, I tried to fix that. I'll have to mess with it again today to, to figure out what the deal is. Yeah. Because I, I don't know what happened. I thought I had it fixed, and then apparently I did not. Yeah. That's so. not your fault. Yeah. I, I, it, it, it happened once before a couple years ago, and I, I don't know. I don't know how hard difficult it is just to keep a logo. Yeah, on your podcast, but uh, apparently, we should apparently switch, tougher than I thought. We should switch, um, like, the hosting, but I don't want to lose all the old ones. Yeah. Anyway, I'm googling it right now. Logo for podcast disappeared. How do I do it? No, I, I, I think I know where uh, we can talk after. But we should yeah. switch. Where I, but I don't want to. I don't want to like manually move over all the old episodes. But I also want people to be like, hey. What do those guys think about the 2015 pre-classic? Yeah, I mean that's true. I, that's yeah. it's important to me. Every once in a while, I'll look at uh, comments that we either forgot to like because we have to agree to them before they are officially posted. And it's like, oh, that's fun. Something from seven years ago. <laughs> All right, how's our gmail.com? Thanks everybody for listening. Thanks for downloading. Hope everybody has a great week. We'll talk to you later. Jessica Ennis, Year of Laura Muir, happening, meddling. <laughs> <laughs>